It's The Healing with Neen Show with host Tanir Kane, only on WOLB. Happy Thursday, everyone. I'm so excited to join the WOLB 1010 Talk Radio family. This is The Healing with Neen Show. I am your host, Tanir Kane. This is an exciting day for me. I am just so, I feel so blessed to be a part of such an amazing family to bring awareness and to inspire and uplift and give hope to those that have been impacted by trauma. But first, before we get started, let me give God what's his so he can give me what's mine. Thank you, Father God in heaven, for this platform. May it bring you much glory and help your people have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to first thank Larry Young for his guidance and helping to bring this show together on the WLB family. Before I get to my guest today, I just want to share what Healing Mean is really about and what the, why I wanted to do this show. Well, I am mean, and my journey to healing began 16 years ago in a prison cell where I found myself pregnant with my 83rd arrest and 66th conviction. Living without hope for so many years, being down in that world of addiction, homelessness, prostitution, all that came with that for almost 20 years. So I decided to try something I never really tried before sincerely. I never tried before. I cried out to God for help. He heard me. He answered. I was then given the opportunity to go to a program that allowed me to not only help me to heal, but I was allowed to keep my baby. There I started my healing process, and it has been an incredible journey. But I had to work through that childhood molestation, all of the physical abuse, the domestic violence, and all the brutal rapes that came with being homeless for almost 20 years on the streets of Annapolis, Maryland where I was pretty much told and treated as if there was no hope for me. But guess what? There was hope. And here I am. My healing journey transformed my life. I was given many opportunities, and I created platforms and continue to create platforms to use them to bring awareness about the impact of trauma and to inspire and give hope so we can all heal together. You know, there's a saying that, It takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a community to heal a trauma survivor. And that's what we're bringing together. We're bringing villages together of communities that can come together to help each other to heal, to continue to tell our stories, to to continue to give our testimonies. So no matter what, we know that there is hope. So with that, I want to introduce my first guest. My first guest is, I, I consider her a friend. We've been um, communicating and working together and um, for a few years now. Um, her name is Carissa Christian. She is a program director at the Christmas Substance Abuse Program in Maryland. And I want to bring her on today because we have, in, this, in the middle of this pandemic, we hear about the, um, all the senior, the senior living homes that have been the outbreaks with the virus and the, and the tragedies of so many elderly people are dying in these facilities. We also hear about those that are in prison that, that 
you have all of these inmates together and they are exposed to this virus, even the correctional officers. So there's a lot of, you hear a lot of that. We, we see the news talk about that often, not, not as much as they should, really. But what I have not heard much about is how those that run the substance abuse programs are dealing with the pandemic and how they're keeping the women motivated and, and, and hopeful in these times. So welcome, welcome, Carissa. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. How are you, girlfriend? I'm doing fine. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. You are survivors, so I know that you got this thing. So yes. so tell me, what's what's going on at the Christmas house? And you know, you guys have been working hard to um to not only to create a safe environment but to expand to lawn care and, and all the other programs that you have. So I just can't even imagine how you guys are dealing with this. Okay. So what's going on is that we're still saving lives. You know, we have a total of uh, 30 inpatient clients, and we've got a total of 25 in our intensive and outpatient um, facility. And what we did was, you know, it starts at the top. we got an executive director who, um, as soon as the pandemic started, he started having meetings with the directors and the staff to find out what we can do to make sure our ladies stay safe and what we can do and still do treatment. So the way that we're doing this is that we're still normal. You know, the clients are still getting therapeutic treatment. We have just recently started um, admitting new clients, you know, because, you know, uh, we have an awesome uh, uh, direct support service. His name is Tar Pullman. You know, um, through this pandemic, you know, he's listening to family members crying, trying to get their family members in treatment. So we had a team meeting. We made the decision that, you know, the epidemic, the opioid epidemic hasn't stopped. So we are still admitting people in. And um, we have, I think, one of the best nurses in the United States of America, you know, because we haven't been affected and our clients have been positive for um, the COVID-19. And the way we're doing that is that we communicate and educate our clients about COVID-19. Um, we're just making it home, you know. Um, we yeah. made a decision, you know, that um, – you know, and my family, you know, they keep telling me, you know, they were worried. They was like, you know, get COVID-19. And I told them if I can get through the disease of addiction. And plus, I said that, yeah. you know, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. So, um, we, we've been maintaining. Have you guys yeah. been testing? Did you have, you, know, do you have a need to test? So Chris, our executive director, has been reaching out to the health department. So what we have done, anybody that come in, any new admission, we set up a quarantine room. They're in quarantine for seven days, you know, because we're still trying to help women um, and children save their lives. So what we do is that everybody that comes through the door, you know, they um, get their temperature taken. Um, mm -hmm. They ask several questions. Um, the new clients are in a quarantine room that we have made into a little uh, patio you know, like a, a hotel room, they have a TV in there, and we keep them quarantined at least 7 to 14 days. It depends on, you know, when the medical team tells us that, you know, we can bring them into the uh, community. So um, we've been lucky, you know. Um, every client that's been here has stayed here, you know, because it comes from the education and um, still doing treatment. You know, we're doing telehealth. You know, uh, we have yeah. substance abuse counselors coming in um, one day out of the week, but I think the thing about it is that, you know, um, we're just keeping it therapeutic. We're keeping it safe. And, you know, we're family here. You know, we're all in this yeah. together. 
have you with and I know one of the things that um is it brings a lot of um joy to the women there is being able to spend time with their children. And I am assuming that that's not happening now and they're they're not leaving out for the weekend maybe and so how what are you doing to kind of help them to work through that? I mean, is there anything do you have anything set up um, for them to do online or, you know, like Skype yeah. or FaceTime, you know, thing, to keep that communication line open with their children, which I know is important for women and treatment. Yeah, so what we do now is we Zoom. We have a connection with DSS, Department of uh, Social Service, where we set up Zoom where they can still, you know, um, see their children, talk to their children. And also, you know, with our uh, school-age children out of school, we got an awesome um, child development supervisor with a bunch of awesome teachers. And our children are going on the computer every day, you know, so they're still doing the education. You know, we have set up the uh, computer room so the kids are still able to communicate back with the teachers. We did a family education, you know, with the family, you know, because the family is worried, you know. Um, we did it on yeah. Saturday and so many tears and so many gratitude of the family saying thank you. And we were saying thank you to them for trusting us with their loved ones. So we are making sure that they FaceTime their family, FaceTime their children. You know, we're tapping into anything that would stress them out to have them remove themselves. We just did a karaoke with them. We uh, had a uh, spa day, you know, and we still practice in social distancing. We have divided our house and using all part of the house so that we have three groups set up. So everything that can keep them, you know, just to focus on treatment, we have tapped into. Yeah. So have you have you had any women leave because they just couldn't deal with not being able to see their children? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I'm glad that you said that. We did have a woman who decided to leave treatment. We got a phone call that she overdosed and was in, was in a medical coma. Uh. So oh what happened was, you know, we had the clients write our cards. You know, I'm a praying person. I believe in God. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we were praying and praying. We would play a song because every morning we played a song, um, Smile, by Kirk Franklin yeah. to get us started. So what happened on Tuesday, that client who couldn't remember anything remembered uh, Chris's house, and we was able to zoom her in to her sisters. And you're talking about you know, a testimony, let us know that prayer does work and God does work. Yes, we were able yes, to talk yes. to her. She came out of that coma, and um, we're going to try to see if we can get her enrolled in treatment here at our intensive outpatient for a Zoom. So God does work. So uh, he saved her life, but our prayer, we was praying, and we got her out of that bed. So that was a that's another reason I come to work, just to see miracles happen like that. Yeah. yeah, and I know that one of the things that you guys have been doing is when I've seen so many of the women that, you know, if they did leave and they did um, have some issues where they relapsed or whatever, you guys are always going to open your arms back up to them. And um, so I think you just not judge and um, and allow women to come back in and to start over because, you know, that's important because of the stigma that we face already, you know that, you know, you're somebody that you're a survivor, you, you know, you know the stigma that goes along with that and, um, and not having someone to say, hey, look, come back, we're still here. And, you know, um, that, that's, that makes a huge difference. It saves lives. That in itself saves lives. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for you guys and you know, what you guys are doing there. You know, I, you know, I love you guys. You know, you know, I, you, you know I'm from the old school. You know, I'm I'm from the old the old the old house. So, um but I'm just very grateful 
to all you guys continue to do. And um, and I know, I, I can't even imagine, because when I was in treatment, just being with a bunch of women locked in, you know, prison, treatment, or whatever, that's tough. You know, you put, you know, the thing is, you put two women together, they become friends. You put that third one in there, it's Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad that you're finding things to help them to stay focused on their treatment um, because it's easy not to. And I know you have women that usually go, that, you know, go out to work. And um, so do you still have women going out to work? How does that work? Or um, do you have extensive workers there that goes out every day? Yeah, so we don't have any women that go out to work in our residential treatment. We have stopped any kind of uh, in and out movement. Um, most of our ladies okay. that's in our intensive outpatient program right now are not, you know, working. Um, we do have four supportive housing, you know, we're doing this following the same protocol with them, you know, making sure that we're available for them, making sure we're still doing random tests. You know, um, we have our staff, our <laughs> residential coaches are, are, I can't even tell you how much we appreciate them and what they have done. We have a finance and uh, IT team that's, you know, that's really good. You know, you talked about that village. You know, it takes a village yeah. to become yeah. a program, and I think everybody in our village is suiting up and showing up, and that's why I think our clients are staying. They know that we care. You know, we we I tell them every morning, you know, that um, they got the pandemic, but it ain't got nothing on that fentanyl that's out there. So, you know. I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah, I keep preaching that to them, and we have, and they understand, you know, and when, we have clients who have made a conscious decision to go back out. I share that to let them know that, thank God, I'm glad it's not you, that you're still sitting in this seat here at Chris's house. So, you know, um, our village is working. You know, um, we have board of directors who, have, who are committed to the mission, and it makes a lot of difference when you have board of directors that's fighting the same fight you fight. So yeah. they're real instrumental in supporting employees and supporting the clients. But I really want to give a shout-out to our uh our ladies, you know, our ladies for sticking yeah. and staying. It takes a lot to stick and stay when they tell you that you got to just yeah. sit with you. So um, I want to shout them out and tell you, them Christmas House girls, we got these little masks that we got made say Christmas House heroes. <laughs> and our heroes are the ladies who are sticking and staying. You know, I'm proud of yeah. them ladies. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, being able to stay there. But also, you know, I they it's like they got to have good leadership. You know what I mean? They got to have good mentors. They, they, you know, they, they feel that way and they feel safe there because of who is there to help them, you know, lead the way, you know? So I, you know, you guys, and I know you, I know how hard you work. I, I know, I know what you, you know, do there. And, um, you know, I know Chris, he's the ED and, you know, he, he's, he's always willing to um, try something new and try something productive for the women. And but when it comes to those programs and keeping that on task, I know that you, you that's your commitment because it's not just about a job for you, it's your life work because it's also your life, you know, because you come from you come from that, you know, that background that we have. We we are more alike than we are different, right? When it comes yeah. to that and that's what you share with these women. You share that identification. And there's a lot of women there that are trauma survivors because even coming through your doors, you know, they, you already know that they have some kind of trauma before they even come through your doors, you know. So to be able to not only help them with their addiction but try to um, lead them to the healing is, is incredible. 
you know, and it takes somebody that really understands, you know, what it's like. You know, it's, it's, you've been in the shoes, you know, and now you're creating doorways for people to walk through. So that's big. That's big. Mm-hmm. You know, they told us a long time ago, the only way to keep it is to give it away. And I'm committed to giving it away. Thank God somebody opened a treatment um, facility for me, and it was Chris's house, you know, that helped me save my life, you know. Thank God it was somebody who answered the phone. That's why every time that, you know, Mr. Foreman picks up their phone and answers, it reminds me of me calling and asking out for help. So, you know, um, you know, it's, some days it's difficult, but, you know, when you hear somebody say, you know, Ms. Caressa, because staff is coming here and somebody's talking to me, that's why I'm staying. We know that if we send them out on this pandemic, they're going to go straight to fentanyl, and we know that we may lose them. So, you know, um, even though this is going on, we are still answering the phones. We're still letting people in. We're still welcoming women when they come through the door. Matter of fact, we're going to do a welcome ceremony today. Every new lady that comes through Christmas House door, the staff get together, we welcome them. You know, because of social distance, now we're doing an elbow, you know, but we let them know that we're going to love you until you learn to love yourself. You know, the yeah. pandemic has not stopped us from still loving people just like I am. So um, we're doing what we're doing. I told you we're the best treatment facility in the United States of America, and I will take that to the White House. We are the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know one thing. You are the treatment facility that I am very involved in, and I I, I love I love you guys up there, and um, you still got my picture up? <laughs> yeah, you know I do. I'm looking at it now in my office. We look good, too. We look real good. <laughs> we look good that day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I felt like I was with a, I was like, I felt like I was a movie star with Donna Ross. I said, we is getting it. <laughs> we don't look like we used to what we've been through, right? Oh, no, we don't. I was like, ooh, is that me? I can't believe it. No, I don't look like I used to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank God for you that. You were beautiful. You were beautiful. You were beautiful that night. Well, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful woman anyway. And, but your, your, your grounds is Baltimore, right? Yeah. Yeah, Baltimore City. That's where I was homeless, human trafficking, uh, jail arrest. You know, I I was one of those that thought that the police was my friends, but the only reason they knew me was because they kept locking me up. But the disease of addiction <laughs> told me that I was popular because they would call me out by name. <laughs> I know that. I know that very well. You think because they know your name, you cool. They cool. We yeah. cool. Yeah. And then it's like, put your hands behind your back. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So we wasn't that cool. Through 58 jail arrests, I wasn't that cool at all. <laughs> we cool until you're in that back seat, right? Yeah. And don't let you out. And I didn't know, my first arrest, I didn't know that they had, um, you know, that you didn't have locks. I thought once I got in a police car, I could get out. But they ain't got no handles, so I was just stuck. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You know, we can laugh at those days yes. now, you know, but yes. I'm telling you, those are some dark, dark times. And now we are, I'm so grateful that you're a light. You are a light and um, shining in this dark world. And, you know, it is, it is, People like you know, there's a scripture that said God would raise up people such as us to fool the wise, those that was cast aside, you know, those were disregarded. That He will raise up to fool the wise, and and you know, so He's raising up people that have these stories, these testimonies, you know, for us to be bright lights in this very dark world, and the world is getting darker every day, every day. So, um, 
Girl, you know I love you. And that's why I tell let your ED know. I appreciate if you email me back because I emailed him saying I wanted to send a treat up there for the women. I just know okay. you always coming. You be like, girl, look, this email. <laughs> I'll make sure I'll let him know, know that you email him. I know y'all busy. I know he's busy. But I said that because I wanted to send a treat up, but I didn't want, you know, I wanted to make sure it was okay, you know, with confidentiality and all of that. And, um, so hit me up, and um, so we can arrange for um, the ladies who just, you know, my nonprofit just want to send a treat up there for the ladies, just to to let them know we love them, that we, we you know, because you know, normally by now we are already, you know, done the basketball camp, you know, where they yeah, come out. I know. So every year, you know, when we do our basketball camp, they bring, you know, you bring your ladies and their children out. We couldn't do that this year, you know, but um, not yet anyway. So. Um, okay. We want to do something for them anyway, okay? Okay, and I'll make sure of that, you know. And, um, like, again, just shout-out to all the village, the people that's working here at Chris's house because they are holding it down. And, you know, I cannot mention, not mention Lauren, who um, worked with development. You know, she got the community. The community is um, suiting up and showing up for us, too. You know, they bring us in pull-ups, you know, hand sanitizers, disinfecting oh, wipes. Oh, yeah, awesome. You know, so we're asking, you know, that gift cards, you know, anything, you know, just to help us so that we can continue to meet these clients where they are, you know, because we can't take them out to the market. And, again, we have had no positive cases because uh, we got the best nurse in the United States of America, too. I say we're just powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, you're a praying woman. You know what I mean? So shoot me an email and let me know what you guys, you know, be looking for, what you guys need okay. up there to help keep you guys um, COVID-19 free, you know what I mean? Okay. And, um, okay. and just like you say, you know, you guys that's coming in and out because y'all don't live there. You go out in the community, right. you know, you got your families, you know, right. and um, so just, man, I'm just so very proud of you. I am, Carissa, and just for what you sticking in there, and you've been there. How long have you been there now? Uh, I've been here, I got here in 2005, so 15 years. Yeah, yeah but you're, you're a graduate of you're a graduate yeah. of this house, right? Right, so I graduated in two thousand and two. Yep. Mhm. Two thousand and two. Two thousand five. You got a job there. You've been That's there every right. since. Yeah, I've been there every since. I think I'm gonna retire here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah, gonna be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta have a whole bunch of die. Just a whole bunch of die. I'm going to be here for a while. I don't plan on going nowhere. This is my life. I love the ladies, you know. Um, I see how they respond to you, though. Yeah, I see how they respond to you. And I see and, um, all the other women that's um, there that that's in their healing process, too, um, is, um, what is it, Sandy? Is Sandy still there? And yeah. I know my sister. My sister? Yep. Yep, yep, Verkett, yep, yep. You know, yep. so I want to shout out to my sister Verkett and yeah. and um all the other women that's there. You know what I mean? That's that's mm-hmm. in that's that's actually in their healing and still come in and work with you know the women that have to work with them through their their life stories, and you guys still got to maintain your own stuff. So mm-hmm. um so let them know, you know, hey, a shout out to all of them, everybody there, the people that cook and everything. I'm just it's, it's a good place to be when I get up there. So I'll, yes, be, I'll be back up there when all is over. You know, I love y'all, but I'm staying where I'm, I'm, I'm staying where I'm supposed to be. 
don't blame you, but I'm going to hold you to it, you know, because we probably wouldn't let you in either, you know, because we're not letting too many people in the building because we just trying to stay safe. And I love you to death, but we... we... That's all right. I got kicked out before. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you did. You know what? And because of you, we got mental health coming in here on a regular. They're coming and they meet with our ladies and Zoom, and so we know we're treating that mental health and that substance abuse. We're doing it. We're doing it. And we and we while we're going through this, we keep normal and we're still preparing for cough. So we're doing everything we need to do. Okay? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a the program is a lot different than when I was in that program in 1991, man. But I was, I was a little bit of a mess, though. So, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I got kicked out. Me, they kicked me out. We'll put my stuff on the porch. Oh, you know, now Chris won't let us do that. We probably would have put your stuff in the van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love you, though. I love you. I went back to get my stuff, Carissa. Guess where I went back to get my stuff, and the ladies took all my, me and my baby stuff, all that oh, yeah. stuff. You know that. Come on now. You left it. It was it, anybody could have got it. But now what we do, we have a, we got a system now where, we we do not allow them to go through um, anybody else's belongings. And Chris will not allow us to put anybody outside on the porch. We have an awesome discharge, intake discharge coordinator, you know, um, Kiera, who makes sure that each woman in here have a safe place to go. So we we don't do that anymore, okay? I know, I know. Oh, I know y'all change. I know y'all, I know y'all got it going on now. And, but yeah. um, I just wanted to really shout out to you guys because, like you said, you guys don't have any positive cases. You guys up to the plate. You did what you had to do to, to lock it down and to make sure that the women and the staff are safe. You got the gear you need to get in there. You put into practice everything that needs to be put into practice. So, I mean, and you and you keeping the women focused on their program. This is what, this is the hope that other programs need to hear, you know, because it's possible to do this thing and to do it right during this pandemic. So thank you, sis. Thank you. I love you, and I miss you, and I'll see you around, okay? Yeah, I'll see you around. Don't forget, hit me up. Hit me okay, up, okay? I will. All right, love All you. Right. Bye-bye. Be best. Bye. Yes, that's to have a program that is doing, the, doing it right, you know, and making sure that the women are safe and to make sure that they're still getting treatment and and telehealth and, and being able to see their children uh, on Zoom or whatever through Department of Social Services. That's what I'm talking about. This is possible for women to have treatment and still be able to be connected to their families and their loved ones during this time because if not, it can be so much more worse for them. And you heard you said they lost one lady and she ended up ODing and ended up in a coma. Thanks to the Lord that she came out of coma and, and they're going to accept her back. So I'm very, very grateful. So with that, I want to go on to a wonderful survivor story. I got a, another guest on the line. And um, I met Danielle. Boy, um, well, I don't remember, actually, I don't remember meeting her. I ain't going to lie, but keep it real. Um, I meet so many people when I travel, um, but I was traveling to Florida. I spent a lot of time in Florida, I do, and I uh, was traveling. And I went to this program. I was invited to this program, to, you know, to come and give some hope to the women. And she said that's where she met me. Um, and she inboxed me um, recently, and she was telling me about, you know, the impact of my visit 
And then she was telling me where she was and how um, that has helped her. So I want to bring her on because she does have a very powerful story. And now she's working um, to make sure that those that coming through the door will have the, um, the help that they need. So, um, Danielle, welcome. Welcome, Danielle. Yes. Hi, thank Danielle. you so much for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, sweetie. And Danielle, you are a peer specialist at the SMA Healthcare. What is SMA? SMA is um, a it's a Stuart Marchment Act is what it stands for. That's what it used to be called, and mm-hmm. um, it's a uh, recovery treatment um, business here in uh, Northeast Florida, and mm-hmm. about. Um, a couple of the counties around uh, Daytona, um, Palm Coast, St. Augustine, and there's a whole bunch of different programs all the way from uh, rehabs to adolescents to um, outpatient treatment centers, um, mental health, anything that's related to that, SMA can help you with. And um, it's also for people that um, are indigent, um, don't have insurance on Medicaid. Okay. Um, or even if you do have insurance, um, they can help, you know, people that have lost everything, the people that still have, um, you know, everything together. Yeah. Well, before so we get to talk about what you services. do, so before um, we talk about what you do with your um, program as a peer specialist, I just wanted you to just tell the audience, tell, my, tell the audience a little bit about your story, you know, because you do as a, it's a very powerful story of hope and, and God's um, redemption. Okay. Um, um, so I'm originally from North Carolina, and um, I'm just going to go into a little bit of that. I um, struggled as a child constantly. Um, I always had this empty feeling in, inside me. I never um, felt good about anything that I did. Anything I accomplished, I never felt whole or that... Um, I had done something good. It was always a negative. And um, I grew up that way um, until I was about 14 years old and I started dabbling with drugs and alcohol. And um, it just continued. Um, I didn't grow up in a religious home. um, And I surrounded myself with people like me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I could feel okay. Um, I couldn't hang out with people that were doing good because I just felt like I was never doing good. And um, so quickly I learned that drugs and alcohol made that feeling go away. Um, I um, was about 18 years old when I started really using um, like IV drugs. And at that time, like I was completely hooked, Um, even having uh, my son at 19, I couldn't get sober. Um, When he was three years old, um, I lost custody of him because of drugs and alcohol. And um, I figured, well, hey, I can't get sober in North Carolina, so maybe if I move to Florida, I'll be able to get sober and change my surroundings, and then I'll get my son back and everything will be good. But that was the problem. I took me with me to Florida, and everything got worse. Um, There I found, you know, more drugs, a different group of people to hang with, and I ended up um, living in abandoned houses at um, 
and it just continued to get worse and worse. Um, so many traumatic experiences that I went through and never dealt with, all the way from being uh, molested when I was a child to um, putting myself in situations where, like, I wanted to die, but I couldn't kill myself. So I would yeah. constantly put myself in situations where maybe somebody else will kill me, and I don't have to kill myself because I just didn't want to live anymore. And... um I got pregnant with my daughter, who's now two, and um, I was living in an abandoned house. During that time, I was still um, using drugs. I could not get sober. I hated myself more than anything because getting sober for me was not an option. I never saw it as, like, there is a better way or... You know, I never knew that there was a, was God. I never knew that, that you could have a relationship with him and that he could come in and change your entire life. I didn't understand that, and I didn't, I didn't even want to understand it. And um, yeah. um, so I was eight months pregnant living in a tent um, in Florida. And, like, that was pretty close to my rock bottom. It got a little worse after that. Um, I had my daughter and she was quickly taken from me after I had her. Of course, I could not take care of a child. And um, I was so like thankful when they came and took her from me because I knew I could not be a mom. I didn't know how to get sober. I didn't have God in my life at all. And I didn't know anybody that could really help me. And also if there was somebody that would help me, I'd run away from them because I was scared to change. And, um, so I isolated myself, um, really badly until, um, like I was secretly planning my suicide and, um, I had a hotel room. I I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was like, okay, if nobody else is going to kill me, then I guess I'll just have to do it. And I, um, really had no reason to live is what I felt inside. Um, I was like the complete opposite um, of wanting God in my life. I did not want God to be in my life. I um, was constantly going against anything that could change my situation. And um, right before I was um, about to, you know, do what I was about to do and end it all, I got on my knees and um, I was, I was on the ground and I screamed out and I was, um, I was just screaming and I was like, well, somebody just help me. And I was crying and um, I get so emotional when I, when I talk about this because it's so amazing what God did for me. Like, it's so powerful how at that moment I stood up and like everything in my life changed. All of a sudden I had awareness of who God was. All of a sudden, I knew how to get clean, and I wanted to get sober. And I didn't even ask for God to come in my life. I asked for someone, and Mm -hmm. he was there. And, uh, you know, I immediately went to a detox. The doors opened for me. There was a bed there. It was, like, the most amazing situation I could have ever gone through. And um, it was God the entire way. Um, from there, I went to uh, Project Warm, where um, which is also an SMA service, and it's a women's rehab, and that's where I met you. And um, 
the the women there they loved me until I couldn't love myself. They they told me I was going to be able to do it. Um, I still absolutely had no hope. Um, I all of a sudden knew that there was some something bigger than me helping me, but I didn't understand that it was Jesus. I didn't understand God. Um, I never had this relationship before. So um, I was constantly seeking him and reading the Bible. Um, and then that day happened at court, and that was the day I met you. And I went to court and uh, to get my to go for my CPC case to get my daughter back, and the court did not even know I was at the rehab. I had been there for almost 60 days. And um, they didn't believe me, and uh, they didn't really care to believe me. And I th- I'm not sure today if that was like a tactic they had to kind of see if I really wanted recovery or if I was just going to run from the rehab. But either way, it gave me absolutely no hope. And by the time I left the rehab, I was done. And, um, you know, I was just going to give up. I was like, well, if none of this is even worth it, and I'm never going to be a mom, and I'm never going to be able to do this, I I just didn't believe in myself. And um, when I got back to the rehab, the women that worked there said, there's a woman here, and I had already watched your documentary. And uh, they said who you were. And um, they were like, she's down in G building. And I was, I walked in late. Y'all had already um, ate some food together and been talking for a little while, but I was in, I was at court and um, I walked in and I was just um, crying and uh, I was, I was not okay. And I sat down on the couch and you sat right next to me (laughs) and you were like, Hey, and you looked right at me and you hugged me and you told me, you know, what God did for you. And, um, you know, a little bit of, you know, what had happened with your children and, and um, your daughter that you had. And uh, you, you know, told all of us that you cared about us and that we could do it and what God could do for us. And uh, I had something in my hand, and uh, I haven't told you this, but I had something in my hand, and I can't remember what was written on it, but this is like what really got me that day. Um, it was some, it was like a quote or something about God. And I, and I had it in a book, um, that I had been writing on and it was in my hand. And right before we were about to leave, you said what was written on that piece of paper. (laughs) And, um, you know, that, that was it for me. I was like, this is God. Like, this is God. He's here, you know? And, um, and I stayed and I have, uh, full custody of my daughter. I'll have two years sober on June 7th. Um, I have a fiance and a family. Um, I have a huge amount of love in my life. I have people that are all in recovery that are my friends. I never had friends before. And um, I have people that care about me today. And that's such a great feeling. And uh, my entire life has changed. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to be able to share it. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you. And, and that's, that's why it's so important that, you know, we share these stories. That's why it's important to me. You know, Danielle, that's why when you did inbox me, cause I do get stories like that a lot, but it's something about your story that just kind of, it kind of made me cry that day when I read it. And, you know, because you never know who you're touching and who life that you, that you're, 
bringing to God or, or who life is, you know, to help you change your mind about, you know, giving up, you know, you never know the impact you have on an individual, you know, and we may never know all the impact we have on people until we there in glory with God. Right. But I do know that there's power in our story. And, and, you know, for me, that's why it was important for me to create as many platforms as possible for people to be able to tell their story, because I know somebody's listening right now. You're changing somebody's life right now. You're helping somebody to stay strong right now. You know, you're helping somebody to stay focused right now. You're helping somebody not to give up right now. And and that's what it's about, you know. And um, so I'm, I, I thank God that he put me in, a, in, in your faith. He, he put me there at the right moment to give you that, that little, that ounce of hope that you can keep moving forward because now you are, working with people, you know what I mean? You are doing what you're doing and you're a peer specialist. And, you know, I always used to say that a peer specialist is a a bridge, you know, you're the bridge between administration or direct care staff and, and those that being served. It's a very important job. It's probably to me the most important job um, in a facility, you know, because you're the heartbeat of the program because you'll get so much further with uh, individuals than anybody else that read a book about a, about a diagnosis or, or a symptom or whatever, you know. So, um, and it's not easy to be in that position when you have your own story, you know. So, um, and your, right. your peer specialist is in the substance abuse, is the substance abuse program? Well, the same um, one that you I, went through, right? I, um, actually uh work there sometimes but i bring groups in there to um, be able to help the women that are there i work in a program called pathways and it's for um our clients are chronically homeless that have a mental diagnosis and um either way i can relate and either way i care and either way i want to help the next person recover from a life of darkness because i felt it and i and i feel it when I see people going through the same thing I went through, it doesn't have to be the same thing, but it's the same feeling. And, um, you know, to be able to go into the women's rehab and uh, be able to see the light click in another woman's eyes that's like living in darkness is the best feeling I have ever felt. It's the most rewarding thing that that I have gotten just by helping another person recover. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, two years, not even two years ago, you said you were in a tent. You, you, you're living in a tent shooting up drugs, you know, and just less than two years, you are in a position to to work with individuals to give them hope and to, to lead them on their journey, you know. That's that's incredible, you know what I mean? That's that's God, you know. And um, it's, it's definitely God. Okay, so... We have someone else on the line. Someone calling for a question. Hey, how y'all? How y'all doing? Um, we're fine. Who is this? Uh, this is Mark. Man, I'm so glad this is show is so right on time because a lot of people really don't understand um, what has happened in the last 35 years of uh, crack epidemic on on top of the heroin addiction, and then you had the um, the opiate. And I always say yeah. the opiate has left a, left a generation and is leaving a generation of 
uh, parentless children. And and the uh, crack addiction has left a generation of childrenless parents through the murder and, and, and you know, and youth homelessness and, youth, you know, the abandonment and all that. A lot of people don't understand. You know, they talk about the white man, this, that, and the other. They don't understand the the power that addiction has yeah. and has had over our community that we turned against each other, you know. And I'm so glad that y'all had that. Me and my wife, I've been clean and sober, God willing, I'll be uh, 30 years next month, beat up, Praise beat God. down, nine times, in and out of treatment, lost my house, my car. Job came a bomb on Harper Road. It's not that, that way today. God, prayer, and spiritual footwork got me to where I'm at today. Retired from VA, where I went and out of treatment off and on for eight years. And my wife has been clean and sober from heroin, crack, and alcohol 16 and a half years. God, Praise prayer, God. Yeah. Footwork. So I love this show. I'm definitely, thank God I'm retired. I can listen to it. You know, we can <laughs> so listen to it. And y'all, you know, I'm just going to listen, man. It's just awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you, Mark. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. We y'all. welcome you. All right. Y'all take care. You too. Be blessed. You too, brother. See, and that's what it's about. You know what I mean, Danielle? This the work that we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the guy, Mark, you know, that's sharing his story. Him and his wife, 30 years. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean? So that's what it's about. That's what this show is about. That's what this show is about. You know, we bring on these stories, guys. We, we're getting hope out there because the world needs hope. The world needs to hear these stories. And, I'm, and you know, Danielle, your story is inspiring, just like so many others. And I'm just so glad that you were willing to speak up about it, you know, because this is, this is what I always say. Your story is your story until it becomes a testimony. When it becomes a testimony, it belongs to God and it belongs to God to share, to share and That's to, right. to spread that the next person to get this thing, right? Yes. Thank you so much for asking me to speak. It's such a blessing to be on this show. Oh, I'm just, I'm very honored to even have you on this show. You know, we are, we're, we're doing what I'm doing, what I believe God wants me to do. You know, I'm, I just, all I want to do, I just want to share hope to the world. Look, we, I know how the doctor's world is, but we need to be light. We need to get this thing right. We need to right now light and we need to sh- so people can get out the darkness and come in. That's what it's about for me. Right. I ain't what I got. I'm given. I'm given because I don't have the right to keep this thing to myself. You know. So I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing, and I know that um, you're going to keep moving. You know, I know that it's not the last time that's that right. you and I are going to interact. That's for sure. You know, I look forward <laughs> to when it's all over. Maybe I come out and see you ladies again, or or whatever. Yes, you know. Please, we want you at Warm. They, all the women, I showed them um, your documentary last week, and every single one was like, please ask her to come back. Because <laughs> it's just yeah, so I, powerful, you know. I will. You are I will. Such a, an amazing woman. Well, you know, Florida, I consider Florida my second home. You know, I'm in, I just, I'm in Florida more than I'm in Maryland, you know what I mean? So, um, Charlie considered my first home, you know, so... Um, we actually have a location at um, Port St. Lucie um, down there, my global operational person down there um, running things. So we, we love Florida. You know, I actually got proclamations by three governors from Florida. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> my birthday. Yeah, November 1st, my birthday is trauma-informed care day in the state of Florida, proclaimed by former Governor Chris, former Governor Scott, and your new governor. So, um, so yeah, so i come out there and, and do what I can. And I just had my big conference yes, there, so I'll, I'll be back. I will be back, okay? Okay. I'll look Thank forward to it. Thank you for sharing your incredible story. Thank you for what you're doing, for all that's coming through the door after you. Thank you for being so selfless and putting yourself out there. Thank you for being the light that we need in this world. And God bless you. I will continue to pray for you every day. And God continue to restore everything that was lost to you. God will continue continue to um, provide the way for you to put you on the path and um, do all that you were created to do this. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. Right. Be blessed. Be blessed. Bye. Wow, that was that was powerful. That was powerful. And, and there's so many stories like that, you know. They're just not, it's not just my story, you know. And I truly believe that every story is powerful because it's somebody's, it's, it's who the person is. And so I'm so grateful to, to Danielle and, and Carissa for coming. And Mark, thank you, Mark, for calling in. And congratulations to you and your wife. You know, um, Hebrews 4, 16. It says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Man, I'm telling you, from what Danielle said, my story, how we, she talks about how she went to a hotel and she was about to take her life. And before she was, right before she was ready to take her own life, she just laid on the ground and screamed, somebody help me. Somebody help me. You ain't got to know a specific prayer. You ain't got to call God by his name. You ain't got to call. You can cry out for help because God knows our heart. And he loves us and he watches over us. He does. He always had his eyes on her. He always was watching over her. And he knew the moment that she would cry out that he would be right there to answer her cry, to answer her. And that's what he did because that's the God that we serve. And, um, and all the people that God put into our life to help us in our healing process, you know. So be bold, man. Go to the throne of grace, you know. I don't care what, if you don't know scripture, you know what I mean? It's, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. For me, I always say this. I keep it real. If anybody knows me, I keep it real. Well, after I came through, I got out of the program. I mean, I got out of the prison. I went into the program. I took Jesus with me. And I didn't leave him in prison. I actually took him with me. And then I was like, I want this thing, and I want to get it right. But just because you want to get it right, don't mean you know how to get it right. So I always tell people, I, after I went to the throne of grace, after I went to the altar and cried out to God, I, I was still a hoe. I still was hooking up here and there. I was still doing things that I don't want to please with God. I was not who I am today. I was I was still still wanting to do me in a lot of ways. Nope, I wasn't using drugs, I wasn't using alcohol, I wasn't stealing, I wasn't running from the law anymore. But I still had some mentality that he had to continue to deliver me from. This thing ain't no big bang where you're gonna get this thing all right in one time. It takes time sometimes. You know what I mean? And you need to give yourself a break. And and we need to give our family members breaks. We need to stop being so hard on family members because we think that they need to be like we think they need to be where we want them to be, what we want them to be. Come on now. That ain't right. That ain't fair. This ain't, that's their life. 
You know what I mean? So we need to we need to let people let God deal with people and stop trying to be God in other people's lives, man, and let God work through their lives. It took me a long time to be able to stop some of the things that I was doing. We don't want to talk about something, but we need to start talking about real-life situations that hinder us. You know what I mean? I went to the throne of God. I loved God. I was grateful for what he was doing for me. But I was hooking up with everybody I was trying to hook up with. So what I was still being a home to me. You know what I mean? And then eventually God, the Spirit convicted me. That ain't feel good. So wait a minute, I don't like this feeling. I got a daughter. I don't want I don't want this I don't want this transfer to her. I don't feel good about this. So I prayed about that thing. Just like I prayed about being delivered from drugs. I prayed about being delivered from 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 hooking up, you know. And then I went on to things with the um the masturbation and the porn. I went through all of that cycle. And those things ain't feel good after a while. I would cry out, I would respond and I would scream out to God, God help me. I just don't feel right. Every time I was finished doing me, I would cry, y'all help me. See, but we don't want to talk about that because we want to hide behind our big hat that we wear at church. We can't hide behind those hats anymore because we, we're preventing us from being who we are supposed to be. You know what I mean? We can't keep wearing these masks and we can't keep having these, 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 these screens and these smoke mirrors and all those things. We can't keep doing that. If we want true freedom, if we want true deliverance, we need to to, to demand and woman up in prayer and say, look, God, I know this ain't of you. Help me with this too. So I cried out going through that. God, you said you provide all my needs. Send me a husband so I don't do these things no more. Help me because I know it's not right. It don't feel right. Help me. And, and and then I prayed that he delivered me from that. You know what I mean? So every time I was going through something, so these things, so I went through years of that, years of prayer and being delivered from all the things that I was doing that wasn't pleasing. I know it wasn't pleasing God's eye, and I didn't feel good to me, but I prayed about it, and I keep praying, and I kept praying about it. And I, God delivered me from each situation. He did. And that's what we need to do. We need to start using our voices and start being real. We can't keep hiding behind the stuff that we do behind closed doors because ultimately it it, it affects who we are, our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, and how we respond to people, to the world, to our work, to our children, to our husbands, to our mates. You know, so we got to get this thing right. And we we start by dealing with it in prayer, dealing with it the way that you need to deal with it. So I, I keep my thing real. I speak truth. I love the Lord, but guess what? If you want to hear anything from me, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask me nothing. Don't ask me nothing if you don't want to hear truth. Because if you ask me something, I'm going to tell you truth about me. And I'm going to tell you truth about my story. So I was just, this is, that's where I'm at in life. I want all that was supposed to be mine from day one. When I was created, when I was formed in my mother's womb, I want everything that God had already put aside, stored up, planned for me. I want it all. And if you don't want yours, I take yours too. That's where I'm at in life. That's where I'm at in life. And, you know, because I know that being on this side, how good it feels to be on this side. So this platform is going to be a platform that can keep it real. We're going to talk about some things that people don't usually want to talk about. We're going to take them big hats off, and we're going to get real with ourselves so we can get that true deliverance, that true, that true freedom. And that's where I'm at. So no matter, no matter, at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what, 
know this. It does not matter what people say about you. It does not matter what people think about you. It does not matter what people post about you. What matters is how you feel about yourself. When I look in a mirror at the end of the night, it don't. I don't care. I'm not thinking about who like me or who don't like me. I want to like who I see in that mirror. So I work hard and I to to change the way that I live, change the way that I respond. I work hard to make sure that I'm always aware if I'm giving love or if I'm if I'm being envious, if I'm hating or whatever. I want to stay on top of that because I never want to be in that darkness because that's that is darkness and that is evil. So remember. As long as there's breath, you know, my motto is, as long as there's breath, there's hope. As long as you're breathing, as long as you're given another opportunity, every day that you wake up, you're given another opportunity to get this thing right. That means it's not over. It is not over. So, God, be well. Remember all that you are to you, not to others. You are created in the image of the almighty God you are, and you're so very special to the world, to the world that, that don't know you. You know, let them know you. Let them see the all the special. You know, we do all these great works. We do all these things that people say, oh, you're, so, you're amazing. You're incredible. You're special, Tonya. Yeah, to the world, I'm just this special person. You know, but I got so much more that I want to share. I got so much more that I want people to see because I know if as long as I show that light, somebody else will be able to shine their light. So it's time to take our light from underneath the bush and keep it moving and help somebody else. In this, in this time right now, in a time where the world don't know what's going on or what's going to happen today or tomorrow, I know this. I know today I sit firm and strong in my, in, in my relationship with God. And that gives me peace. And it gives me hope. And that's the hope that I'm giving to everybody else. So I want to thank everybody for listening. This was my first premiere show on WOLB. I want to thank the WOLB family for um, for welcoming me in such an amazing way. And um, I look forward to bringing some very powerful, inspiring, and uplifting shows. And everyone, be blessed. Be well. Until next Thursday, look in the mirror tonight, smile, hug yourself, love yourself. I feel you. I see you. I love you. Be well.